Welcome to another episode of Double Tap. Today we are joined by Chris Heavily, founder of Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. They are currently making Mystery Society. Chris, you have a decorated career. Um, very excited to be chatting with you today. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for having me on. Cool. Um, quick disclaimers out the way. Uh, the purpose of this content is for informational and educational purposes only. It's not uh, should not be considered as financial advice. The opinions shared by Alex and I are our own, um, and we may have personal or professional investments in some of the projects or assets discussed throughout the show. With that out the way, Chris, what um, what games are you currently playing? I wish I had a more exciting answer to this question. Um, I'm playing a lot of the Mystery Society because <laughs> because we're in we're in beta and I have to do a lot of QA. Um, I've been playing a little Lethal Company. Um, I'm uh, I'm I want to play. I'll tell you what I want to play is Alan Wake. I've been meaning to play Alan Wake, but uh, I kind of need a time where I you know, where I can commit the time to play a longer, like, AAA game. I, it's something that I think is going to be a big trend in games, actually. And it kind of, kind of plays into what I'm doing with Mystery Society, which is that I think there's a big backlash against games that take all your time. And especially with these live service games, like, there's a lot. Yeah, I think you've probably seen, like, on LinkedIn and other places, like, there's a lot of people that are, like, starting to backlash against and and in the businesses in general with consumers against these like live service games that don't really that don't really make sense as a live service game like I was just reading about the Warner Brothers Suicide Squad game um and you know people are like why does that have to be live service and and forever you know and uh and and ever uh, or whatever they call it evergreen um so i think that I, you know i think that my own, uh, like, you know, time pressures have made me want to make games that are, that respect people's time, you know, and I think there's going to be a big, I think there's going to be a big appetite for that. There's like a backlash against a lot of things that happened over the last 10 years, you know, like, uh, like forever, you know, like, um, live operated games that have, you know, no, um, that are, that, that are just a grind or, you know, like over tutorialization, you know, I mean, like Minecraft was the original game with no, with no tutorial and you just get thrown in and, you know, that generation, right. Has grown up now and they're used to exploring and discovering. And, you know, the other thing is like with streaming is so important now to game making and, you know, like if you do too much handholdy and too and games are too linear, then it's it's no it's no it's no fun for the community or the or the streamers, right? Because there's nothing for them to talk about because everyone's gonna get the same shit. So what you really want is like a game where people have to come in and discover and find things and then um and then, you know, that gives them lots of stuff to talk about on social media and make videos about, and, oh, did you know you can do this? Did you know you can do that? You know, you've discussed quite a lot um, this idea of uh, 
the free to play gaming industry is starting to see a bit of um, a pivotal change. Uh, this shift from games as apps to games as content. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious on your thoughts of like what kind of impact this may have on the future of like indie content, um, both from the context of like inside these games as a platform like UEFN and Roblox, um, and then also outside sort of standalone titles. You know, when I talk about games as content, I made this post last year on LinkedIn that got a lot of attention um, about where I kind of postulated that games as content was the next phase. And it was really in response to UEFN getting announced. Um, And if you look at the progression from, I mean, we're getting ready to head into GDC again. I mean... When I made when I first made that post, I remember that Eric Kress from Deconstructor Fund reached out to me and he's like, yeah, I kind of see what you're saying, but I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical. You know, those guys are always kind of skeptical, which is their, their job to be. But, um, you know, if you look at it like Roblox is hitting all-time traffic highs um, and it's really – you you see a flood of brands and IP and fashion brands and, you know, new things being done with Roblox that really, I think are, are legitimately going after an older audience than the kids audience that, that they started with. If you look at UEFN, I think it's got a much longer way to go. Um, But you know, with this relaunch that they did with, um, you know, bringing back, you know, OG Fortnite and then rolling into the Lego uh, stuff and then, um, you know, making a big push on UAFN, um, you know, you're, I mean, Fortnite has become the most played game on uh, PlayStation, I think on Xbox as well, um, from a user perspective. And it's being supported by, you know, the, the main modes of the game have gotten a lot of play, right? Like like the OG event with Fortnite, definitely that wasn't UGC. Um, but, um, but, you know, there is a lot, of, but, but UGC has become a big part of it. And, you know, you look at developers like... Um, uh, I think it's First North, the... the um, or... or front north with the Alex Seropians group who, you know, Alex was one of the founders of Bungie and, um, you know, did marathon and halo and is, you know, I worked with him at Disney. He's one of the, you know, one of the smartest guys in the games industry. The fact that somebody with that pedigree is now focused on doing games for, you know, unreal, like, <laughs> you know, Fortnite creative mode is pretty wild. Um, and, you know, there's so many, there's so many dimensions to it because I think, you know, you've also seen like the rise of the meme game, right? Um, you know, stuff like always going up, um, bed wars, um, uh, there, you know, there's other examples that I'm, that I'm blanking on cause they've come and go, but, you know, you see these game kind of ideas that these memes that, you know, we're used to memes in kind of GIFs and videos and, you know, stuff on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. And now we're seeing games. In fact, I was just looking at, uh, I just saw an article 
about uh, how somebody's been taking all Mr. Beast videos and making them into UFN levels. Um, and, you know, like it, 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 I think that the games is content era. When I first made that post, people, you know, a lot of people were like, well, no, it's games as a platform because what they wanted to focus on was the platform element. It's like, you know, oh, it's, it's, you know, like really what you should be invest because everyone thinks like, what should I invest in? So, you know, it's like, well, really you should be buying Epic shares or you should be investing in Roblox. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, but also there are going to be whole businesses just like there are whole businesses that are built on TikTok or built on top of YouTube. There are going to be whole businesses that in their own right are investable that are built, that are built on top of these things. And the composure of what those, studios are going to look like is they're going to be smaller teams that are going to be much quicker to market at a much lower cost, um, which means they're going to be able to try and do wackier shit um, because it's not going to be the the risk that it was. And they're going to be some hybrid between a game developer and a, and a, and, and a YouTube creator. I mean, I advise um, game fam, which is the largest, um, Roblox professional content creator and has been one of the more successful. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that they do that is that that's really successful is stuff like Barbie or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or things that they do with brands. Um, but a, another big part of their business is partnering with these, what they call Robloxians who are like, you know, native Roblox people who, you know, are these creator, um, you know, creator developer types and helping them kind of, you know, professionalize what they're doing with analytics and, uh, you know, best practices and help, you know, helping them learn how to, you know, grow and sustain their games. And, you know, that's, I mean, it's a lot of what, you know, like somebody like a Mr. Beast does in his business, you know, in the way that they, in the way that they think about what they're doing. And so I think that, um, you know, that, that it's going to, it's going to lead to a new type of, it's, it's not your traditional, uh, triple a game developer. It's, it's kind of this hybrid of content creator. You know, some of them will actually be personalities with names that we know there will be developers. I mean, like this guy that did lethal company, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but like he was a, he was a Roblox guy. Right. And, he had a following from Roblox and then he made this game. He spun it out and people knew him for Roblox. And so they gave the game a try on steam. And I think, you know, we're going to see, we're just going to see more and more of that, you know? Um, uh, and it, it's going to change who can come into the industry. And I just think you're going to see a lot more. It's going to make games in some sense, more ephemeral. Um, you know, there's this, you know, there's a lot of people, like kind of the the midwit take right now going around is like oh there's too many games and it's like well what is that i mean what does that even mean you know like it's not that it's too many games it's that it's that um one i mean we could get into the how the macroeconomics have sh reshaped the entire games industry which i think nobody is talking about because inflation is one of the biggest changers you know ch uh change makers in in kind of how we should be thinking about our space, but, um, but I, you know, I also think that, um, you know, in addition to kind of, 
you know, the inflationary pressures, like the speed and the cost at which you can build and deploy content onto these UGC cap platforms as those start to mature, I I think that it's going to put a lot of pressure on, um, you know, like if you're if you're a small scale game studio, and you it's going to be all about where can you go to get the most pickup. Like, you know, we're seeing all these games that can start to break through on Steam, but the reality is there's a very small number that that break through. Now, I think what Steam is showing is that when the, that these breakthroughs are not just happening once and again, they're happening like, you know, pretty frequently, um, even though they're the minority of cases, like when they break out, they're breaking out big, you know? Um, but if you have a small team of like, you know, five people, you know, you're going to have to make a decision between, do I build my own standalone game? Is that really what I want to do? In which case I take on a lot more in terms of like marketing and distribution and, you know, a lot, you become more like a, like a, like a business where there's a lot of other aspects to what you do other than make games, or am I going to build for these UGC platforms and surf off the fact that they've got, you know, tens of millions of users and try to, you know, launch launch uh my idea there in fact shrapnel i saw did a i thought it was so freaking clever they did a a map for uefn did you guys see this um so they did a shrapnel map you know while they're still in development with their standalone game and i was like that's freaking brilliant you go into one of the biggest shooters in the in the you know in the industry right now you build your map and, you know, give people a taste of shrapnel and and create something to keep the community rallied while you build the full game. Like, that's brilliant. So I think we're going to see a lot of, like, really interesting stuff shake out of it. And I think it's I think it's time. I think the games industry, you know, has just become too monolithic and it's become too um, owned by middlemen. Like, we spent – part of the reason I went into Web3 is – I'm sick of fucking talking about Apple's rules, you know, and like what Apple's going to allow and not allow. Like, I just want to be creative and do cool stuff, you know, and it's, 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 so I, you know, I think that, I think that they're, um, you know, I think that you're going to see, so I think the industry has needed to shake up and it needs to kind of get around some of these middleman intermediators, even though some of these platforms can be that, in in other ways, they free you because they give you, you know, they give you an existing audience and they give you a lower cost of development and they, um, and they put you in a position, hopefully, to try things, you know. So, you mentioned how um, you're kind of seeing this shift, um, and there's kind of the allure of blockchain giving you a little bit more creative freedom. So. You know, you discuss a little bit about how blockchain or Web3 might give you a little bit of creative license. Another thing that you've talked about is uh, this concept of community-based games. I'm mm -hmm. curious if you could kind of maybe elaborate a little bit on how you think maybe Web3 or the blockchain enables this sort of kind of bottoms-up sort of community cultivation um, and how you think that will drive, you know, maybe a different type of engagement with games 
maybe a different type of game. Um, don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah, I'd love to hear your take. I think that ownership is a really important concept at a fundamental level. Um, you know, I was listening to someone the other day talk about uh, kind of political philosophy and they were talking about the importance of private property um, in wealth creation and, 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 you know, um, increase, you know, in, in improving your um, economic circumstances. And what it, what struck me is that, you know, in the digital space, with the exception of the games, I think games have been the one thing where, you know, you own it, uh, because, you know, you pay your 60 bucks and you get, and you get the, get, get a disc. Um, but most of the internet has been free with ads, right? That's been the predominant model for most of the internet. And, um, as a result, you haven't had a lot of wealth creation, um, actually as much as you would expect. And so what you see are like these huge, you know, this you know, right now it's the big seven, right. That are driving the S and P 500, you know, the, the Googles, the apples, the Amazons, you know, these guys are engorged with, uh, you know, with money. Uh, but if you look at the creators on a lot of these social platforms, you know, they don't make a lot of money off the social platforms themselves. They make the money off of, you know, you know, Mr. Beast is making off candy bars and, you know, other people are making off Patreon or whatever. And so, um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of, um, you know, th there hasn't been the type of sharing of wealth that really should happen in a UGC environment where, um, and I'm talking about social media here, where, where what people are consuming is made by these creators, right? The creators are not getting their fair shake. You know, when you come into the game space, I think the analogy to that is that community has been this kind of like free benefit that um, that that game makers have just come to expect that like, hey, if I make a good game, like somebody's going to create a Discord and somebody's going to create a YouTube channel and somebody's going to create a TikTok thing. And it's just all going to happen like magic because, because I make this good game and everybody's going to go out and celebrate it for me. And the thing is that I think the creator culture if you look at surveys of, um, and it's been this way for probably about a decade, if you look at surveys of like, what's the most aspirational career for a kid in high school, like TikTok creator, YouTube creator, uh, you know, is always top of that list. And so this idea of being a, um, of, of creating content and getting paid for it and be able to make a living doing that on the internet is something that is very kind of like top of mind for this, for this generation. Right. And increasingly, I think younger people are rightfully saying like, Hey, wait, I've like worked really hard to build this social reach. Like what's in it, what's in it for me, you know? So, you know, if you put those ideas together, it's like this concept of digital ownership um, and the ability to share revenue with your audience, um, you know, has the potential to be incredibly powerful and change a lot of the dynamics in the games industry. Because another thing that I, another reason that I left free to play gaming was, um, 
you know, I made this game called Funko Pop Blitz, which had the Funko Toy IP, had all the universal characters in it. It had, we had Doctor Who, we had Peanuts, we had, I mean, we had probably more IP at one time than any mobile game has ever had, or one of the most, like, you know, most games, you know, maybe they have an IP or two at a time, and we had dozens. And it, the game had great metrics. It wasn't that the metrics were terrible. The, the metrics were great, but it was really hard to break through with all of Apple's privacy changes and all this other stuff. And I, and, and you know, I just got really pissed because I was like, this sucks. Like, I'll, I made this great game. People think it's fun. It's got great IP behind it. The business rationale for this, like, it all should work. And But this ad market has become impossible. And you can't get your game. It's, and it's so winner take all in the auction, right? Because it's like, because somebody's got a higher LTV than you because they've been out longer than you. So they can beat you in every ad in in, in the ad in the ad uh, auction every single time, and it becomes very hard to break through in that kind of zero sum environment. And so, I was just like, "This sucks." There's got to be a better way to do this. And what I like about Web three is the idea that we can say, "Okay, we can circumvent all that," and instead of giving, I mean, these free to play companies are. I mean, if you look at like M Monopoly Go. There's articles that are saying that Monopoly Go, like, oh, they made a billion dollars, but they spent a billion five in UA. And it's like, that's fucked. Like, who wants that? That's a terrible business. You know, and by the way, the I don't know what LTV they're buying or what, you know, what, um, you know, payback window they're buying on. But like, you know, the, 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 the break even for some of those users could be, you know, 180 days, 365 days. So... You know, th those t that type of like crazy spending when you have a lot of like, you know, Saudi capital or in the zero interest period where it becomes easy to attract capital, you can do that kind of stuff. But it gets a lot harder to do in the in this economic environment anyway. So, you know, the thing to me is like I look at that and I go, that's fucking broken and sucks. And meanwhile, you've got all of these this army of, you know, young people out there who like. They're entrepreneurial in their mindset. They want to be creators. They want to do something in the games industry. And what do these guys like to do? They they won't shut up about games. They want to make videos about them. They want to make threads about them. They want to make TikToks about them. They want to stream about them. And like, instead of giving all this money to, to freaking public companies, what if we gave it, like shared it with our players and created incentives for them to promote the games and not just to promote, but actually to be this is the thing about ownership, like have a stake in the game. If you buy land or you buy a virtual item that's a generator of, you know, of resources that somebody needs, you actually own something in a real economic sense that other people need and need to access. You own something rare. And so therefore you're, and if you're, and if you're, you know, if you're in pixels or something and you're building your best pixels island, you know, you're adding value to that virtual real estate. It's not just that you own it, but that you're, you know, you're cultivating it and making it fun and making it something people can play or Nifty Island, you know, is doing this. And so, you know, you're, you're engaging your players in a whole new way, which is like, it's not just that they're making, I mean, if you go back to this thing of, you know, it's the Minecraft generation grown up, it's not just that they're making this stuff 
you know, for kind of themselves or for the friends to play with. But now they can make stuff and actually earn something off of it. And I think that I think that you fast forward today, like the 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 community based thing gives these enthusiastic, um, you know, these game enthusiasts a way to become part of the games industry and use the skills that they have. They may not be great game makers, but maybe they can make videos or maybe they can make threads or whatever and allows them to contribute in the way that they can and and to and to be remunerated for that and all of that ultimately i think accrues back to the game because that because that's the thing that they want you know that that's the thing that they're invested in um you know and and i think that what web3 allows us to do is systematize that and and provide um you know a lot of interesting you know royalty sharings you know ideas and different ways to you know, create financial incentives to, to actually turn this into a sustainable business and not something where we just hope that the fans do it because like we're actually creating mechanics in our business that, that, that incentivize this behavior. And, you know, it's like you, if you, if you, if you, if you fund, if you feed something, you should expect to get more of it. Right. Um, and, you know, so, you know, you have to, I do think you have to be careful about the speculative activity. And, you know, this is something that Alex and I have talked a lot, a lot about a lot. I think, I think you feed that beast at your own peril. Like, I think the, the, my thesis anyway, is that what you're trying to attract are people who are value, who are, who are going to, you know, even if they, plan to you know cash out at some point that at least they that add value real value before they do right i think that's the trick is like they have to you have to have them do something that is that is additive to your community um or it's purely extractive and it and it and and you're you know you're not going to last very long so it's it's freaking hard i mean you know like there's a reason that a lot of these early games have not worked. I think, you know, there will be a lot more failures on the way to figuring this out. But I just look forward to like, you know, if you just look at how YouTube and, and other social media, other scale digital platforms have, have, have grown up, you know, like there's no influencer on those platforms that didn't make, that didn't make money, you know, like they're like, they're in, they're in business. Some of them are, you know, doing a combination of what they like and enjoy and what they're paid to promote. But, but they're all in some kind of business. And I just, I think that, you know, I just can't imagine that 10 years from now that communities are still going to be doing all the stuff that they were doing, you know, five years ago for free. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, and, and nor do I think that it works as a purely paid model where it's all like hiring a marketing agency. Like I think it has to be some combination of like hobby I earn from like, that's the sweet spot kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's this idea of like aligned incentives. Right. Um, but still making it sustainable and trying to limit extraction as much as possible. But they will like people are always going to try and gain the system, and that's where it gets really tricky. Mm -hmm. Well, that just about brings us to the end of this episode, Chris. I want to 
thank you for coming on. It's uh, it's been really interesting. Thank you. Cool. And uh, yeah, hopefully have you on again uh, in a future episode. Yeah, I'd love to. The content of this video is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice. The views shared by Alex and I are our own, and we may hold investments in some of the companies or digital assets featured in the video.